0: Today is July twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. In our first story, the moratorium on evictions is coming to an end in just over two days, and this will lead to millions of evictions at a time when Biden's inflation crisis has caused a drop in real wages by almost two percent. My friends, the economy is not doing too well, and I fear that we may be facing a serious collapse. In our next story. The first arrest warrant has been issued for a Texas Democrat for fleeing the state. The Republicans are not messing around. They are going to actually arrest these people and the Democrats seem to know it. They're now begging for Dr. Pepper and candy and snacks as they hide away in D.C. And in our final story, Bill de Blasio says about vaccination, the voluntary phase is over. He has ordered public sector mandates and is urging the private sector to mandate vaccinations. If you like this show, Please leave a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. There's just over two days until the moratorium on evictions in this country expires. And if it is not extended, there will be millions of people facing homelessness And uh, boy, is this bubble going to burst now, of course, this could get extended at the last minute and thus stave off the ultimate collapse of the economy. And it's not like it's going to be like overnight. All of a sudden it's Mad Max. But collapse just means, hey, man, hyperinflation, mass homelessness, job losses, business shutting down. It will be a rapid, rapid depression. And you know what? This is Biden's inflation crisis. Now, I can certainly say COVID is the primary culprit for a lot of reasons. But, you know, Joe Biden is the president. It's his policies, mass printing of money and the immigration crisis, which are all feeding into a massive inflation crisis. And it was Joe Biden who wanted to extend unemployment. It is the Democrats who wanted to extend the COVID unemployment benefits until September 6th, meaning people are not working. They're choosing not to work. They won't get jobs, and it would kind of make sense if the ev- if the moratorium on evictions went till September six, and the COVID benefits ended July thirty first. That way, people would be like, "I got a couple months to figure out how to pay the rent before I get the boot." But it won't matter anyway. We've heard the stories. People are getting these unemployment checks, and they're not paying their rent anyway. Why? Well, they don't have to, because people think short term. Boy. This is a bubble that is going to be big and it's going to be bad. And a lot of people seem to think that if we don't extend these benefits, if we don't extend the moratorium on eviction, it's over. It will be massive, massive depression. We're already seeing major labor shortages. The World Economic Forum, with their fanciful video, 41% of people are planning on quitting their jobs. Why would anyone want to work? Last night. We were graced with the presence of Papa John's founder, John Schnatter. And he told us a story in our members only segment about how someone he knows who runs a pizza shop is paying $35 an hour to guys to make pizzas. He has to. Otherwise, they won't work because the unemployment benefits are there and they're about $15, $16 an hour. But you know what that means? It means like $50 pizzas. It means pizzas are going to double in cost. And when the pizza goes up, the food go- goes up because labor goes up. Everything else is going up. Perhaps that's Biden's way of getting out of the gas crisis. America's no longer energy independent and we're seeing six dollar a gallon gas in California. Well, here's one way to solve for it. Massive hyperinflation because then everyone's salaries will have to go up right wrong due to the inflation crisis. Real wages have gone down almost two percent. My friends, this is a disaster. And I know, you know, there are a lot of people who have been hurting for a long time and a lot of people can't seem, uh, can't see the long term impacts of what this administration is doing. And I see it from my friends, many on the left who are just like, we need this money. We need Biden to print money. We need to borrow the evictions. And I'm like, dude, it's poison. It is poisoning the economy. I see these people posting on Reddit anti-work saying we shouldn't have to work jobs we don't like. It is poisoning the economy. You are on borrowed time. Now, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a solution. We, we, we tend to always find a way out of these crises. But for the time being, I can point out what's happening and tell you if we do not get a hold of this, we're in for a great reckoning and it's coming soon. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member and you'll get access to exclusive members only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast and an advertisement free experience from all of our articles and videos. You can you can read our great and fierce independent journalism, and support the work of our reporters and journalists and uh, do it without seeing ads. So it is greatly appreciated if you want to support our work, help us expand. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, hit that notification bell and share the video if you think this stuff is important. Here's the story we have from TimCast.com. And I want to set the stage first with this inflation story because it's it's fairly simple. And then I want to talk about the, the, the evictions and the crisis that is about to hit. From TimCast.com, Biden's inflation causes wages to drop by almost 2% due to record-breaking inflation levels under the Biden administration. The average American's wage has decreased nearly 2% from June 2020 to June 2021. According to recently released data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, average hourly earnings have increased from $29.35 in June to $30.40 in June, I'm sorry, June 2020, to $30.40 in June 2021. Hey, wait a minute. That sounds like the number went up. Let's do math. They say when adjusting for inflation, however, real average hourly earnings have decreased 1.7% during that same period. By comparison, when former President Trump left office, the Bureau of Labor Statistics revealed that real average hourly earnings had risen 3.8%. From January 2020 to January 2021. So why do I say Biden's inflation crisis? Because under Trump, this wasn't happening. Even amid COVID, with all of the crisis, real earnings went up. And 2019, man, we heard it all the time. The best numbers of our lives. I saw so many people saying they made more money than they ever did. They were happy. They were buying. The economy was a roaring. And then Joe Biden you know, I see these Twitter posts from these these well-to-do liberal types who are complaining Trump's a fascist. And now what are they posting? Pictures of six dollar gasoline because they live in California. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? We were energy independent under Donald Trump. The man's far, far from perfect. But we at least knew that Joe Biden opposed energy independence in America. And now Joe Biden has released sanctions on Russia for their Nord Stream 2 oil pipeline a um, gas pipeline. And there you go. That's that's the plan. Hyperinflation. My friends, I hope you are prepared because even if they extend the moratorium, they are just kicking the can down the road. From Yahoo News, millions of renters face eviction and homelessness. Three essential reads about the CDC's expiring moratorium. Now, of course, they do try to calm everybody down. And I got to I got to make sure you all understand in 2008, right before we, we saw this massive collapse, the Great Recession, they called it, what was the media saying? Bye, bye, bye. Everything's great. You are happy. And then, boom, the rug was pulled out from underneath everybody. You see, they, they want to avoid a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is what the media does, something I don't do. And maybe, maybe there's an issue with it. No, let's, let's, let's be honest. The media will keep telling you everything's fine because they don't want to tell you to panic, which could cause a faster collapse. I understand that. If everybody in the media came out and said it is going to be a, a disaster in the market, sell, 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 that would precipitate the market collapse. So they say everything's fine, everything's fine. But therein lies the bigger problem. Telling the working class people not to sell but to buy leaves them holding the bag when the financial institutions bail, get, get bailed out or sell out very, very quickly. There's no easy solution. I will not lie and put up these stories saying everything's going to be fine for the sake of trying to protect the economy. I'm more worried about the individual. I understand that telling you all this and creating videos like this could very well result in people saying I'm going to sell or get out of the market or something like that. I'm not an economist. I don't know what will happen. Here's what they write. The White House and city officials across the country are scrambling to avoid an eviction crisis. The federal housing eviction moratorium that the CDC put in place in September 2020 expires on July 31st, 2021. Just over two more days, my friends. I hope you are ready if they don't take action. I don't know what the answer is. After that, millions of Americans who owe tens of billions of dollars in unpaid rent will lose that protection and may face eviction and a loss of their homes. Meanwhile, a group of landlords is suing the U.S. government to recover damages it says its members suffered from not being able to evict tenants who didn't pay rent. Although Congress allocated more than $46 billion for emergency rental aid, most of it hasn't reached many of the people who need it, as state and local governments struggle to distribute the money. Many renters are unaware relief is available. We've been following the issue issue throughout the pandemic and picked three articles from our archive to get you up to speed. One, Housing insecurity is a pre-existing condition. Full stop. Don't play those games with me, dude. We know that much of what's happening right now, this crisis, is because of unemployment benefits that pay very, very well and because of of COVID. One of those, an act of nature. I'm not going to blame people necessarily for COVID, but the economic shutdown, which destroyed businesses and resulted in people leaving their jobs, followed by those unemployment benefits, that's a man-made disaster. And it is new. Now, I know uh, housing insecurity uh, has been a problem for some time. But this crisis we're experiencing, this is unique to now. Don't play these games. We'll read more. But let me show you this tweet. This is a tweet from a user on Twitter named, hey, boo boo. I read this tweet before, but I want to read it now for you so you can understand uh, uh, what they're saying. Yesterday was a sad day for me and my husband. We closed on our rental property that we had no choice but to sell. The government mandated that people could live in it for free for over a year. We lost out on over $42,000 in rental income. Now, already, I can hear young leftists saying, ha ha, landlord's not a job. Let's read more. All of our renters were receiving unemployment, but the government would not allow evictions. So they just didn't pay. So the people had the money. They were able to pay. But why? Go ahead and evict them. Hey, think about this. You evict these people now once the moratorium expires and they've been sitting on its unemployment. They got a savings. They'll say, I saved several thousand dollars and not paying rent. I'll just use that to rent a new place. What am I worried about? You give them an eviction notice. They get 30 days. They go find another apartment. However, they may try. And the other place uh, apartment may ask, have you ever been subject to an eviction? Yes. Sorry, we won't rent to you. She says, have you seen the price of gold lately? Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. We got no break on paying property taxes, insurance, and utilities, so we blew through our savings. We are trying to pursue back rent at this time. My husband inherited the property from his father, who died of cancer, so it's been a bit emotional. This whole government-induced tragedy has done irreparable harm to so many. Now, I've not verified this story. I don't know if it's true. Maybe it's just someone on Twitter making something up for, for political reasons. Perhaps. I don't know. I can tell you this. It's obvious that these stories are going to be happening. It's obvious what will occur in the next two and a half, three days. There are many people who didn't pay. I mean, I've heard tons of stories outside of this one from people saying, like, why bother paying? I've heard stories from landlords saying the people renting the apartment just stopped paying because they can't be evicted. These landlords who run these buildings have a job. Being a landlord, there's a job there, okay? You have to pay people to maintain the building, you have to make sure the tenants are taken care of. You have legal obligations. And the tenants don't have to worry about insurance or taxes. And they, have to, and they can tell you to fix everything. People seem to think that just by virtue of being a landlord, you're going to be make, making all this money off of these renters. There are advantages to being renters, to being a renter. Personally, I think owning is better. But some people, as you have seen in many stories, want to rent. No responsibility, no taxes, no liability no worrying about where your, your investment value. And what if you rent to someone and they present a huge risk and they destroy your building? What if you're just someone who owns one house and you rent out your basement? Now you got someone living there who stops paying you. You can't do nothing about it. Yahoo goes on to say evictions are rising in some states. While the federal moratorium has ensured some renters don't lose their homes, many others haven't been, been so lucky as evictions continued throughout most of the pandemic. For example, in Idaho, which didn't have a statewide eviction ban, evictions fell in April and May as most courts closed because of lockdowns. But when courts reopened, evictions headed back towards 2019 levels. And three, eviction court favors landlords. This one is the one you need to pay attention to. Before landlords can evict a renter, they first must take them to court. But eviction courts aren't about due process and getting a fair hearing, explains Katie Ramsey-Mason. States created eviction courts to offer landlords a summary process to ensure cases are handled very quickly, sometimes in less than a week. As a result, the odds are stacked heavily in favor of landlords. I'm not going to play any games about, you know, what people should or shouldn't do or anything. I'm just going to say this. If the courts favor the landlords and the moratorium ends, millions of renters will be served eviction notices. Boy, I tell you this. And then what happens if these people try to apply at a new place? Because obviously, with all these evictions, there's going to be tons of open apartments. Well, the landlords need rentees, so they may be fairly lax this time around. If someone says, look, I was just evicted, but here's money up front, they might say, I'll take what I can get. But it may result in many businesses saying or many landlords just saying it's not worth renting this out. It's better to use it for ourselves or they're forced to sell to major investment firms. The Delta variant is serious, and it's causing, I don't know, another lockdown, more mask mandates. Nevada, we're seeing it, which could result in an extended economic crisis when we are already in trouble. What does CNBC say? Delta variant might be a reason to extend unemployment benefits, say economists. And there we go. More people taking from the system without putting into it. Now, the system for a long time had more being put into it than was being taken out in a certain respect. There's a lot of waste, and this is a great correction, whether intentional or not. Personally, I think elements you know, of the political elites and the Davos group types really want something like this, but it could just be a correction. Too much waste, I suppose. I don't know, though. I think there's, there's, there's an element of a standalone complex. What I mean by that is there are many powerful elites who agree on certain changes due to watching the news, who have decided to take action that's resulted in this. Take a look at this story from the World Economic Forum. That's right. The World Economic Forum is the group that said in 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. 41% of workers globally are considering quitting their job. What will those people do? What will they eat? How will they eat? Man, we're, we're in a dangerous place, my friends. The reality is they call this the great resignation. The BBC reported on this about a month ago, I believe, yes, or just earlier this month. What do you think is going to happen when people don't work, when people can't pay rent, when people are facing major mass evictions, they're becoming dependent on the government to pay them and protect their homes or where they live? Sounds like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a switch that says communism that's about to get flicked. That's what I think. You see, when this crisis hits due to the, uh, to the inflation, Biden's crisis, people are going to make demands of the government. They're going to say, you must make sure we do not become homeless. And you know what? A lot of people are going to agree, even conservatives. They're going to say, look, we don't like it, but we can't have 10 million homeless people added, you know, just kicked out of their houses, maybe even more than that. So what will happen? Major bailouts. How much you want to bet the government maybe will say we're going to bail out the landlords and buy up a piece of their investment firms or a piece of their of their buildings. I see the story about BlackRock and Blackstone, these investment firms buying up rental businesses. What happens if the government says, oh, no, they're failing. And if we don't do something, then people will become homeless. and There'll be a depression. Better bail them out like we did the auto industry and the big banks. And then the government gets their hand in. Homeownership, and then you live in a building. You pay rent in a building that's partially owned by the government. Welcome to living in public housing. How much further do we have to go until it's just government-owned housing, and then we're living in Soviet-style block housing? Now I don't know if that actually happened, or if it does, it'll be very slow. These things don't happen overnight, and it's not like I'm not. I'm not saying it's a grand conspiracy. I think it very well may be a natural correction a standalone complex or a combination of the two, meaning we can't keep doing the same things, kicking the can down the road and thinking things are going to change. You have short term thinking in this country. The Democrats especially saying just give them their bonuses, give them the unemployment, and then, you know, the rest will take care of itself. Or they're thinking I'll be out of office by then. Someone else will have to inherit this. And What's left of the economy? The people in the know I've described it as them extracting from the system as it sinks. They are stealing the silverware off the Titanic before the boat goes down, and they know it. We hit that iceberg probably in 2008, and they saw it, and they said, I'm going to get out as much as I can as possible. And so while everyone's oblivious to the fact that the hole's taken on water, they've already gathered up all the silver, the fine china and the silverware, and they've jumped in a lifeboat. Here we go. The BBC reports since the pandemic, employees are leaving the workforce or switching jobs in droves. For many, employers have played a big part in why they're walking away. They say when the pandemic began, Melissa Villarreal was teaching history to middle schoolers at a private school in California. It was a job in a field she loved. Now, just over a year later, she's left teaching entirely to work in industrial design at a large beauty company. People like Villarreal are leaving their jobs or thinking about it in droves. A Microsoft survey of more than 30,000 global workers showed that 41% of workers were considering quitting or changing professions this year. In a study from HR software company Personio, of workers in the UK and Ireland showed 38% of those surveyed planned to quit in the next 6 months to a year. In the US alone, April saw more than 4 million people quit their jobs, according to a summary from the Department of Labor. Cue the news slideshow. From Inside Higher Ed, July 27th, Summer Camps Labor Shortages and Academia. Labor shortages it is. From the starpress.com. July 26, nobody wants to work. Why are businesses struggling to find workers? From Fox News, July 26, Johnny Rockets, fat burger owner, says labor shortages facing restaurants a total nightmare. From TimCast.com, a members-only private segment with John Schnatter of Papa John's, formerly the chairman of the board, after that big scandal where they, man, they really screwed this guy over. He tells us as I mentioned earlier, that he knows a pizza shop paying $35 an hour. Now I know men in the left are cheering for that saying, good, pay them a living wage. How much do you think it's going to cost to make a pizza if you're paying $35 an hour? Well, if it takes 10, let's say it takes 20 minutes to make a pizza, a good one, you know, done well, that means you're looking at about a third of those labor costs. So it's about, you know, $11 or $12 in labor for one pizza plus the ingredients. Pizza is now going to cost maybe 15 bucks. Then you've got general overhead for the business. And then you're talking about a large pizza, which normally might go for $20 because they get a slim margin. Now jumping up because you're paying $35 an hour to $30. I know I said 50, but let's be reasonable. It's going to be a significant increase. I'll put it this way. If you're paying 15 bucks an hour to a guy to make pizzas, the government offers them $16 an hour to do nothing, and you're like, "How about 20?" Nah, I can get 16 for nothing. 25? I can get 16 for nothing. 30 bucks an hour, double, but I can still get money for nothing. Okay, 35. All right, I guess 35. We are talking about more than doubling the cost of labor, which will go into more nearly doubling the cost of the pizza. Ingredients for now won't cost more, but what about agriculture? That's right. There's a labor shortage in agriculture, which means your cheese and sauce are going to go up in price too. And if everything goes up double, your $20 pizza will end up costing you $40, 40 bucks. Then the plumber comes in and says, I can't afford a $40 pizza. It's like, well, it's that or nothing. Then he says, fine, I guess. Then he goes to the next restaurant and says, look, I can fix your plumbing for your kitchen, but I got to make more money. I need twice as much. The inflation just hits. What does this mean? Your savings, man, your savings will be cut in half. As I already show you in that first story, real wages have decreased 1.7 percent. Inflation is through the roof. Consumer price index through the roof. Evictions days away. Now, I know, I know. Maybe it's worrying. Maybe what's really going to happen is there's going to be a last minute, you know, swooping in, saving of the economy, somehow staving off the true crisis. And then we pull out of the tailspin and pull up. Perhaps we can be optimistic. At the very least, I think it's important you see these stories just to understand what may be coming. So at least you know about it. You don't got to think the end is nigh or your, your life's going to be over, but don't be caught off guard at the very least. From the Sacramento Bee, who will take care of the disabled and the elderly? California faces unprecedented labor shortage. That's right. In hospice and, and, and old folks homes. Here's something from Yahoo. A server says she's getting lousy tips because she keeps having to do other people's jobs. In the labor shortage, it just keeps happening. I mean, I probably got too many stories, my friend. Here's why businessman Ken Lingon thinks the Fed is wrong and inflation is here to stay. It's all just getting worse, isn't it? Restaurants pull seafood from menus. Hike prices amid inflation. Oh, it's also the shortages. That's that's another reality. Economist Nouriel Roubini warns of train wreck stock market crash and stagflation this from July 3rd. Look, I find a lot of these stories. I read the news all day. I see these things and they correlate. One thing you need to be careful about all the time is that if someone writes a thousand stories and 10 of them say the economy is going to implode and we're all doomed, it's easy for someone to take those 10 stories and say, this is what's really happening and ignore the 990 stories that are like, actually, everything's fine. It's also hard to know for sure who's being honest and who's telling the truth. I typically err on the side of if everyone was saying things were fine, I'd probably assume things were maybe fine. But you got to recognize what happened in 2008 when they claimed it was fine when it wasn't. It's hard to know what what to trust. But be careful of stories like this. I would always say fact check what I'm talking about. I think it's fair to say there's more than enough stories about labor shortages. It's fair to say that the eviction moratorium is a fact. It will end July 31st. That's when it's over. And you better believe those evictions will be filed. That is not an issue of, you know, hyperpolarization or overly, uh, being overly focused on one particular, particular issue. That's a reality. And that's a reality you all need to pay attention to, because if the rest of this is true, and I believe it is, we've got more than enough anecdotal evidence and statistical data to show there's a labor shortage resulting in a gas shortage, resulting in inflation that is here to stay. I think we're in trouble. Here's what here's I like. Letter. Threat of economic collapse should get your attention from the Eagle Tribune. It's a letter to the editor. This is a regular person and their perspective, and it's short. Back when I was a tender young thing, I spent my summers as a whitewater raft guide in the Adirondacks. Whole towns thrived on nature related summer sports. It was more than just an industry, it was an easy way of life. Climate change will take that away. It's not a question of water sports being a niche category, any more than those involving snow trails or bicycles. It will soon be too hot, too fiery, too dry to enjoy all of these activities. The economic cost will be real and devastating. The Bureau of Economic Analysis estimates that the outdoor recreation industry accounts for over $400 billion of our nation's GDP. This is just one quarter of an an all-encompassing economic calamity. Ignoring climate change will cost literally trillions of American dollars. Even if we discount the human misery of a hot planet, is our corporate and political landscape ready to write off nation's financial prosperity? It is time to take swift action. Decades of science and human cost have failed to convince, clearly, since the requ- requisite mobilization has not come to pass. But perhaps the specter of an economic collapse will prove more motivational. Very, very interesting article. I'm not uh, uh, somebody who typically pushes fear-mongering on climate change. <clears throat> Personally, I think climate change issues are serious and the underlying issues are serious. We take them seriously. But I- I'm not actually here to argue about climate change. I'm here to argue about the perspective of the left, the perspective of Democrats and their fears over climate change and what that may mean. We saw the articles early in the pandemic. What did they say? The earth is healing. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This individual writes a letter, just a regular person. This is not, you know, any prominent, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but just a letter to the editor. Climate change will destroy the economy. Will it? Or will people's fear of climate change cause them to shut down the economy, which will lead to economic collapse, which will cause the planet to heal? You see? Now, I don't know what ultimately everybody thinks. But as I mentioned, I think there's a component of a standalone complex. That is many people who believe something similar taking concerted action, which will result in a seemingly It looks like a conspiracy, but it's not. There are many people who believe climate change will destroy the planet, will result in mass chaos and economic collapse and death. And then you have people saying we must shutter the economy because of COVID. We see the Davos, uh, Davos group saying that by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, talking about climate change and social justice, as they call it, and the things we have to do. I think we can see here that enough people are worried about rampant and nearly endless economic growth. That there would be a standalone effort to shutter the economy, which will cause the planet to heal. Again, as the New York Times wrote. I want to show you this. uh, I want want, want to show you um, something from Reddit. It was deleted. If the housing market doesn't correct itself soon, there's going to be a reckoning across society and you shouldn't be surprised if it happens. It was removed. The post on Reddit was talking about a massive societal collapse and chaos. It received 16,381 points. That means people were clicking the upvote button saying they liked this. It's not necessarily supposed to be an agree button, but it basically means people agree. They called this an unpopular opinion. That's what the, the form where it was posted. The post was removed because of what the person said was going to happen. They said that there would be, you know what? I don't know how to describe this without getting banned from YouTube, so maybe I can just say it that way. They said there would be actions taken by individuals following the loss of wealth and the collapse that is a ban-worthy offense to say what these people would be willing to do. On Reddit, they removed it saying, you violated the rules. Now, that's crazy. This person just said, I think people will revolt. We'll put it mildly, very mildly, revolt if there's not a correction soon. There's not going to be. People are basically cheering on the collapse. Now, you want to know why after all of this, I will still say Joe Biden is the problem here. I bring you now to this story. Timcast.com report 50,000 migrants released into the U.S. by U.S. border uh, into the U.S. by Border Patrol. Just 13 percent show up to an ICE office. 50,000 released. This, you know, this is a Rio Grande Valley sector. I think it's called. And you have 1 million illegal immigrants entering the US since the start of the year, 188,000 in the past month alone. So I think we're close to like 1.2 million for the year, actually. What is that going to say about inflation? We already have a homelessness crisis. How are we bringing this influx of people in when there's a job shortage, a labor shortage? Maybe that's it. People don't want to work. So what is Joe Biden doing? This is his solution. If these jobs won't be filled and the economy will collapse, He's shuffling these people in as many as possible, desperate to find workers. Meanwhile, he's paying off Americans not to work. It's what we said earlier. The Democrats are creating a surf class. They're bringing in illegal immigrants saying, come on in. Jobs are waiting. But Americans are getting paid not to work. Maybe that sounds great to these elitist city folk who are like, I'll take the free money and make them do the hard back-breaking labor. To me, it sounds nightmarish. And it also means that the lower income Americans, citizens of this country, will be left holding the bag so the elites can prosper at a point when we're about to face a massive collapse in the economy. I don't know for sure, but smarter men than me, smarter people than me, have said there's going to be a reckoning. There's going to be an economic collapse in about two days. We'll see what happens with these evictions. It may take a month after that because the evictions will be filed and then maybe about a month before people actually get the boot. What do you think happens when the homeless population increases by millions? That'll be interesting. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It was major breaking news when Texas Democrats fled the state in order to block a special session which would have allowed the Republicans to pass voter legislation. It was also major news when the Texas House then voted to have these Democrats arrested. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas said, we're going to arrest these Democrats if they come back. Now, our jurisdiction doesn't extend outside our borders, but we will arrest them. And what did I hear? Some people on the right, some libertarians were like, oh, it's all BS. They're not going to arrest anybody. Have you noticed they didn't even issue any warrants for these people? You know what? Fair point. They didn't. They said if they come back, we'll arrest them. And then what they'll do is they'll bring them to the House and then, you know, make them vote so they can have their session. The way it works is in Texas, you need a quorum. You need at least two thirds of the House to be available for a session to occur. Because the Democrats fled, they have broken quorum and now they can't legally have a session. Well, we have more breaking news, my friends, and this is where it gets big. First warrant signed for Texas Democrat who fled to D.C. And boy, is this story brutal. This Democrat was being charged, basically just defied the trust of the Republicans who are essentially allowing him with no repercussion to to do his stupid thing. This is the problem with Republicans. They are these better men, and I mean that sarcastically, who are like, you know, perhaps we shouldn't actually arrest these Democrats. That would be oh, ghastly. And so what do the Democrats do stomp all over and do whatever they want. The voter legislation in Texas is to protect voter integrity. The Democrats say it's voter suppression. Anything you do to secure a system will make it bulkier. And the issue is most of the things Texas wants are things that already had before COVID and then emergency provisions came in. That's basically how it works. So this Democrat leaves for D.C., comes back and they say, we're not going to arrest you. Just come to session. In order to leave, they had to get permission. And the Republicans said, absolutely, you're free to go. No problemo, just come back. And the dude fled to D.C. again. And now the Republicans are just shocked shocked the Democrats would break the law in this way. Now, what are we hearing? Well, the Texas Democrats, they need uh, salsa and soda and hairspray. Hairspray? Yes, adamant. They not use taxpayer dollars for their illegal activities. And, and it is illegal. I mean, this is hilarious. Can you donate money to someone committing a crime? No, serious question. We, we have an arrest warrant for one of these guys. They've committed a crime. It's illegal. How can, are you allowed to give money? What, what what donation platform are they using? Yeah. You know the double standard. Republicans won't fight for anything. So these tech platforms, these financial services will provide a, a, a pipeline for people to give money to those breaking the law. Congratulations. That's how the system works right now. Here's the story from the Hill. Texas State House Speaker Dade Felon this week signed the first warrant directed at state Democrats who fled to Washington, D.C. to prevent a vote on a controversial election bill. Felons signed a civil warrant Sunday for Philip Cortez, the Washington Post reported on Monday. Cortez initially left Texas with fellow Democratic state legislator on July 12th, but went back in what he said was an attempt to work with Republicans on the legislation opposed by Democrats. Cortez returned to Texas on Wednesday to negotiate with Republicans before he fled the Senate, the state for a second time. The July 12th exodus by Democrats has forced House members to come to the floor every day and request special permission from Vellin to leave. Cortez made such a request after he returned to Texas. And Felon said he would grant permission if Cortez promised to come back. Cortez vowed to return and receive permission to leave the floor, according to the Post. However, he left the state again on Sunday and returned to D.C. Felon said Cortez's action has irrevocably broken my trust and the trust of this chamber as a condition of being granted permission to temporarily leave the House floor, Rep Cortez promised his House colleagues he would return, Fallon said. The Texas Tribune reported instead, he fled the state like a pathetic, spineless coward. Well, maybe cowardice isn't the right word. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think they're scared of the, the, the fringe leftists, but there's a, there's a word there somewhere. I don't know. He's a bad person. We'll put it that way. They don't have the, 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 the majority in the state. And so they fled the state. It's not even a filibuster. It's something beyond a filibuster. They're blocking other legislation. Now, I personally think negotiations should be had. And that would solve a lot of these problems. I think the same thing at the federal level. That's why there's a value to a filibuster. The problem here is there's just nothing. Literally nothing. The Democrats say, give us all or else. The Republicans are already compromising with their bill. And now the Democrats are saying, give us everything. Yeah, these people are not good people. Cortez said in a statement after arriving in D.C. on Sunday that he has a duty to my constituents to do everything I can to stop this harmful legislation. These people are just evil, man. The Democrats fled the state to stop a vote on voting rights legislation they say is too restrictive. Even the Hill calls it voting rights. The group plans to stay in DC until the special session is over. But Texas Governor Greg Abbott indicated he will call another special session to get the bill through once the Democrats return. Any civil warrant signed by felon cannot be carried out until the Democrats return to Texas. The Democrats who fled will have to stay outside of Texas until the term ends, I guess. And then I, I don't know what vote out If you vote out Greg Abbott, then what? You get Alan West, I guess. He's running for office. Take a look at what these people are doing. This is from the Washington Examiner, carried by Yahoo News. The nearly 60 Texas Democrats who fled the state and jetted to Washington to block a pair of GOP-backed voting bills are asking the public to donate Dr. Pepper, candy, and toiletries as they mark the nearly two-week anniversary of their departure. Candy? Okay, let me tell you something. We, we do, uh, up in the studio for the Tim Kastirel show, we got a big old bowl of candy. We got fruit snacks. We got fruit rolls. We got fruit by the foot. And then we got some healthier stuff. We have these organic fruit snacks made with real fruit juice. And we got granola bars. And we got these soft-baked oatmeal cookies. They're delicious. They're not a guarantee. It's just a courtesy. And you know what? The only thing I really eat are the granola bars. I don't eat the candy. Who are these old people Most, well, maybe they're not old people. Asking for Dr. Pepper and candy. Eat water and eat bread. You are not staying at the Ritz-Carlton. You are supposed to be engaging in some activism. Sure. The Dallas County Democratic Party announced the development on Saturday and said it would be hosting collections. These people are just awful. Oh, man. Our Dems in D.C. say they appreciate care packages from home. Before 5 p.m. Tuesday, we're collecting Dr. Pepper, salsa, hard candy, hairspray, travel toiletries, hand sanitizer, sewing kits, first aid, and money to pay for shipping. Thank you, Dr. Pepper. Can you, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you've got this, these hoity-toity, elitist scumbag Democrats sitting there going like, Uh, oh, egad, I don't have any more Dr. Pepper. You go buy some. You walk outside in D.C. and there's a cafe selling Dr. Pepper. Why are you getting, these people are the worst. Ted Cruz mocked the social media post with the words, no Miller Lite, in a reference to a case of beer observed while the legislators posed for photographs on the way to Washington. Texas Democrat leaves Washington to engage in good faith dialogue on GOP-backed voting bills. Former U.S. ambassador to United Nations Nikki Haley also weighed in and called the collection embarrassing. I don't know what that, this line is here. Not only have they taken a vacation to avoid doing their job, now they want you to help pay for it. This is so embarrassing. Ex-senior legal advisor to former President Trump, Jenna Ellis asked, they can't get all that at a CVS? I'm saying, Congress ain't poor. They get paid paid $174,000 a year. I'm pretty sure they can afford to go to CVS and buy their, their, their hard candies and their Dr. Pepper. On July 12th, Dozens of Democratic lawmakers boarded private jets. We know all this. They say SB1 was passed by the Senate and by the lawmakers departure. But HB3 House bill has been stalled as the House lacks two thirds quorum necessary. This is the game they're playing. The Democrats are like, we care about voting integrity. We want to make sure that these harmful bills don't get passed. They are lying. Let me tell you something. Let me show show you something. Here's a story from Axios. Hey, Texas, how's it going? 50,000 migrants released few report to ICE. Abbott is in this position where he's trying to get federal assistance to stop the unmitigated crisis at the border. Joe Biden, he don't care. Joe Biden is shuffling these people through the border. Now, you may be saying, Tim, what does this have to do with voter integrity? Everything. You see, the way that Congress works, the federal level, The way that the presidential election works is based on the census, regardless of whether or not one of these individuals is a citizen. They still count in the census and congressional seats are are, are proportioned or apportioned based on the amount of people who live in an area. 188,000, I believe, over 180,000 illegal immigrants crossed the border in Texas The Texas Democrats do not care about voter integrity. They are lying. They want power. Do Republicans want power? Sure. But what do Republicans do? They're pathetic and spineless and do nothing. Look at this. We're going to issue one warrant. Issue all the warrants. Spineless and pathetic. No wonder Republicans lose so often. No wonder the voters chose Donald Trump. That guy and all of his nasty words, I guess it was the pressure release valve finally erupting. That's what the Republican Party serves as pressure release. You watch the Democrats lie, cheat and steal and bash people over the head figuratively well, and literally for long enough. You eventually say do something to Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and they do nothing. In fact, they go after Marjorie Taylor Greene because the Democrats tell him to. Pathetic. Then along comes Trump. And I know Marjorie Taylor Greene came after Trump, but I'm saying watching this kind of behavior, along comes Trump and people are like, I'll take what I can get. Send in the bull to just just romp around. Texas Democrats say they care about voting integrity. They don't. They, 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 the, the, the left wants to block the citizenship question on the census. So here we have a country, the United States, that doesn't even ask the people in the census if they're citizens of this country. How are we supposed to know how many people are here illegally? Because the Democrats don't care. They like the power. Now, I believe it was Tucker Carlson who said that it's because the Democrats want their votes. The idea being that if they naturalize illegal immigrants, these illegal immigrants become citizens, and then they will likely vote Democrat, perhaps. I don't know. That's a bit circuitous. You have the claim right now that the Democrats are rejecting Cuban migrants and refugees over what's going on in Cuba because they're likely to vote Republican. And that may be as well. I think the the, the best evidence to Tucker Carlson's claim and many others is that they're saying no to Cuban refugees. It's like, dude, it's like 90 miles, like right there. Where else are they going to go? They go to Florida. I guess they can risk a crazier journey and try and head to some other island or something. No, Florida is the safest and closest. And these are legitimate refugees in a communist dictatorship. So why would the Democrats say no? Yeah, they're going to vote Republican, that's for sure. We saw it in Miami when that blue district flipped to Republican. But I'll tell you this, what you need to understand, it doesn't matter if these people do become citizens, because when the census happens, they will fill out the form, not all of them, but many of them, and that will increase the population size in blue districts, giving Democrats more seats in Congress. It doesn't matter if they vote or not. They get an extra seat in Congress, and that means an extra electoral college vote. People give, give voting power to states and federal election, uh, federal voting power to states in the Congress and in the presidential election. So it doesn't matter if they become citizens. Axios reports About 50,000 migrants who crossed the southern border illegally have now been released in the U.S. without a court date. Although they are told to report to an Immigration and Customs Enforcement office, instead, just 13% have shown up. Why it matters. The sizable numbers are a sign of just how overwhelmed some sectors of the U.S.-Mexico border continue to be. A single stretch covering the Rio Grande Valley had 20,000 apprehensions in a week. The figures also show the shortcomings of recent emergency decisions to release migrants. It is unprecedented for agents to release migrants without an official notice to appear in court. Where it has occurred recently, migrants have instead been given a list of addresses and contacts for ICE offices across the country and told to report to one of them. The hope has been for migrants to show up at these offices after reaching their final destination to get work permits. Can I just uh, just want to let you guys know, if you have no borders, you have no country. If you have no borders, you have no jurisdiction. How are you supposed to enforce the law, collect taxes and and apportion those taxes if there are no borders, if people can just freely come across and take what they want and do whatever they want? How is is there to be a country? You know, Bernie Sanders, 2016. I I liked Bernie. He was a populist. He was defending the working class. He was talking about protection for, you know, good, good old uh, Union Democrat types. And I was always fairly, you know, liberal in, in the big cities. And Bernie Sanders came out and said, open borders is a Koch brothers uh, a proposal. He was saying the wealthy far right industrialists. I'm kidding about the far right thing. But, you know, the libertarian, the the uh, open borders, industrialists, cap- capitalist types. <clears throat> they wanted the free labor or the cheap labor. They wanted people to flow across the border to take these jobs for less than minimum wage. And Bernie called it out. Where are we now? Well, Bernie went full open borders, full anti-America, I guess you can call it. I got I got look, I I like immigration. I think it's 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 we're extremely lucky when you have people come from these other countries like, say, Nigeria or from Norway or from, from any one of these countries, even from China. You are typically getting those who are seeking passion and who are driven, and we're lucky. In fact, I think it's bad for their home countries. They're losing their best and brightest, or at least their most driven and passionate. As for illegal immigration, these tend to be people who are jumping the line, and there's a, there's there's still something I respect in that. To be honest, that they believe that they will find opportunity and freedom and, and success here in the United States. They're right, but that's why we have a legal process. So immigration is a great thing, so long as there's a check on that system. Ultimately, what ends up happening is the Democrats know they can pad their numbers. In California, they say, come across the border. If you're, less, if you're under 26, free health care. That's, that's actually a proposal they had. So California's population grows massively because they just let people cross the border. And they tell the federal government, we will not allow you to enforce these laws. We are a sanctuary state. Okay. At what point do we say California is betraying the union? At what point do we say we will not give you congressional seats and districts if you are violating federal law? How could you represent the the, it's amazing? How could you go to Congress voting at the federal level on bills that will affect Oklahoma when you are violating federal law? And I know there's also Second Amendment sanctuaries, and these came after the sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants. And a Second Amendment sanctuary doesn't grant you more voting power. Illegal immigration does. Donald Trump wanted to put the citizenship question on the census, and I think it was very obvious why. Now, the left says it was because it would scare minorities and they wouldn't want to fill out the form. And I'm like, why are they not citizens? Do you mean it would scare illegal immigrants? That's the semantic game they play. Ocasio-Cortez and the far left, they call illegal immigrants migrants. I love that exchange. When, when, when AOC is talking to, what's his name, Homan, the, the former uh, head of, I think, CBP, is it? Or is it ICE? And she is like, legal asylees have broken no law. And then he just like, actually, they broke, you know, this law, so, you know, C31, subsection, whatever, and he just reads the, the he likes it off the top of his head. He's right. If they want to declare asylum, they go to the border. They say, we need help. Typically, if they're in a country like Mexico, where they're not fleeing from, they're fleeing from Honduras, they would stay there. That was Trump's policy as well. But the Democrats want to bring all of these people in. We have this new story. This is interesting. It's from a week ago. Justice Department declined to prosecute Wilbur Ross over census citizenship question testimony. They say the DOJ declined to prosecute former Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross Despite a watchdog finding that he made misrepresentations to Congress about his agency's motivations for seeking to add a citizenship question to the decennial census. Basically, I'll give you the gist of the story. He testified, we want the citizenship question on the census. I think a lot of people realized what the point was. It was to make sure that representation was for American citizens and not for people who aren't American citizens, and that federal tax dollars would not be given out to, re- to districts for uh, uh, p- to places that, have, that is going to benefit non-citizens, people who oftentimes don't contribute to the system and put an unseen burden on, uh, lab- on labor, on, on the, the working class. These are Bernie Sanders ideas, or at least they used to be. Well, now they're saying— that his, the real reason that he lied, that, the, that Trump wanted the question, is so they could gerrymander. That's the lie. First of all, let me tell you something. The left is lying to you. And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this. Everybody's wrong about gerrymandering. Uh, everybody is wrong about gerrymandering. I see often on Reddit the left complain saying, gerrymandering, look at this, look at Dan Crenshaw's district, and it's this weird moon-shaped like crazy district. And I'm like, yo, have it has it has it occurred to you the shape of that district is based on the fact that not everybody lives in every part of the world. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Look, I'll wrap up on this idea with the with the immigration they they want more people to live in these areas, whether they're citizens or not. So they get more tax dollars, more congressional seats. The Democrats who fled Texas are doing nothing about the border crisis and they don't care about voting integrity. But let's talk about gerrymandering real quick. You'll look at one of these districts, and it's shaped in a very odd way. Could it be that a portion of that is, a, is an industrial or corporate park? That's what was always weird to me. It's like they think the congressional district, district should be a square. And I'm like, that might not actually be 750,000 people, dude. A perfect square might only have 300,000 because half of it could be a bunch of factories. So you'll need to draw a district around what makes sense, where the people live. To make sure you are getting equal representation based on population. Here's the other thing. A lot of people on the left say they're going to they, they do this map where they show that you can have. They say there's three districts and each of them is six is 60 is percent Democrat and 40 percent Republican. And then they say if you were to uh, you know, block it off by Democrat and Republican that, or just vote as a whole district, the Democrats would outnumber the Republicans. But gerrymandering designs them in such a way that Republicans get the majority vote. If you, let me just explain this. If you set up districts where you only had 40% of of, of one one faction and 60% of the other, and that was every district, you would get civil war overnight. Because there's 40% of the population with zero representation. It's not an easy solution, I'll tell you that. Gerrymandering has its problems, but it exists for, for a few reasons. And the first and most obvious is disregard the whole Democrat, Republican and trying to map out districts to win more. That's true. Simply put, the design of these districts could very well just be because sometimes there are factories or airports or, or warehouses. People don't live there. All right. Final, final thought. The point is Democrats don't care about the vote. They want to strip you of your right to vote, in a sense. They want to weaken the integrity of our system. They want to steal power. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Bill de Blasio, when asked about mandatory vaccination, said, We tried voluntary. The voluntary phase is over. That is to say, the city wants to make vaccine mandates the norm. Now, what does this not mean? They're not going to show up to your house, ask you to, pr- to provide your papers and then forcefully give you the vaccine. But they are using soft power and pressure. De Blasio says that in the public sector, everybody working for the city has to be vaccinated. He also said he's talking to the private sector, telling them to go as far as possible to mandate vaccines. And hilariously, MSNBC likened it to socialism. That conservatives are telling private businesses what they can't do. I find that one hilarious. It's one thing when you say you can't discriminate on the basis of race or disability or medical conditions. It's another thing when you tell businesses they can. Otherwise, it's socialism, which is a hilarious argument coming from MSNBC. My friends, mandatory vaccines will be the norm, at least in my opinion. As I often say, I'm not a fan of government government mandating this stuff because you don't know what is right for someone else, and they must go to their doctor. It's funny that I am maintaining my principles on this issue when I talk about, say, pro-life and pro-choice. Health care uh, issues, health of the mother, the the, the, the the child, it's between her and her doctor, not the state. Because I'm a libertarian, I, I should say I'm libertarian, left-leaning, not right-leaning, but, you know, kind of in the middle. And what that means is, I absolutely understand the moral conundrum that is the the life versus choice. And it is a very, if not impossible, moral position. I know I can already see people getting mad and posting in the comments, but I just don't. I that's that's the line for me. An individual has a right to say no to the state who wants to uh, tell them what to do with their medical with their bodies and their medical decisions. And I I understand the whole life versus choice debate. We'll, We'll argue that some other time. For the time being, you have people who say, I'm going to figure out what's right for me, as, as you should. Go to the doctor, provide your medical history, see what the doctor says. Mandating vaccines. What happens if you go to the doctor and they say you cannot get this? Is, is Bill de Blasio now going to bar you from your job? Are they going to mandate a negative test every week? That's what Bill de Blasio is saying, which, which brings me to the next strange circumstance what, what is this idea of get vaccinated or get a negative test? These, thing, these things do not correlate in any way. We know that people who are vaccinated may still transmit COVID. This is, a, this is why they are mandating masks now. The CDC's guideline has changed saying even vaccinated people should be wearing the masks. Why? You get the vaccine. It reduces the likelihood you get COVID. It reduces the likelihood you have a severe reaction to COVID. But you can still get COVID and you can still transmit the virus. So they want you to wear a mask, even indoors. What will a negative test prove? If you have COVID and you get a negative test, this part I understand. If your test is positive, they're like, well, we don't want you getting other people sick, right? Okay, that makes sense. If your test shows that you don't have COVID, they'll say, come ahead and come on and work. But if you have the vaccine... And you have covid and you're asymptomatic and don't know you can still get other people sick, but they're not going to check. How does that make sense? It literally does not make sense. Bill de Blasio is coming out saying we want to make it easy for people. You don't got to go every week to get a negative test. So get the vaccine. But there's no correlation. He's literally telling you right now. Based on CDC guidelines, they don't care if you get other people sick. It makes no sense. None whatsoever. So, yes, this is a soft power vaccine mandate, but it goes beyond just Bill de Blasio. It's going federal. First, from timcast.com Bill de Blasio, we've tried voluntary. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio surprised millions of residents in the Big Apple this week when he declared the voluntary phase of COVID vaccinations is over for public workers and municipal employees like firefighters, EMTs, teachers, and others. De Blasio was speaking with MSNBC host Joe Scarborough when he was asked if the city could impose more vaccination mandates on locals. Now, I want to clarify this. He was speaking with Micah and Joe, and when he said, we're climbing a ladder, he was responding to Micah. But then he did, he was talking with both of them. So a little bit of clarification there, TimCast.com. Come on, you guys, you can do a little bit better. Yes, we are climbing a ladder. I'm not answering yes to your question yet, he said during his July 27th appearance. But if that's not enough, I think we've got to be ready to climb the ladder more. And I think private sector entities can do some of that right now. Public sector entities need to move as quickly as possible. We've got to put pressure on the situation. Evolutionary, but fast evolutionary. We've got to shake people at this point and say, come on now, we tried voluntary. We could not have been more kind and compassionate. Free testing everywhere you turn, incentives, friendly, warm embrace. The voluntary phase is over, de Blasio added. We can keep doing these things. I'm not saying shut it down. I'm saying voluntary alone doesn't work. It's time for mandates because it's the only way to protect our people. This guy is a psychopath, an absolute psychopath. He is too stupid to know how to govern, how to inspire people. And so instead, what he does is he makes stupid, nonsensical statements. Well, then they've got to get a negative test, which has nothing to do with vaccines, because even people who are vaccinated can get other people sick. So what's the point of the negative test? Nothing. The dude is too stupid to know what he's talking about. So along comes someone like me. Sorry, I'm not as dumb as Bill de Blasio. And I say, okay, I understand. This is what you want. to. You've not given me a single good reason to listen to what you have to say or to support you in this effort, because I'm just like, shouldn't people with vaccines get tested then because they can still transmit? I mean, the CDC is saying that we're going to be doing mask mandates or or, I'm, I'm sorry, the CDC is recommending That vaccinated or unvaccinated must wear masks indoors. It's a recommendation. But now we're hearing that uh, a majority of the counties in Nevada are going to mandate masks. So I I I don't understand your point. Bill, you're making no sense to me. It gets worse than just New York. From CBN News, the voluntary phase is over. But it's not just New York. They say New York City, California, and Veterans Affairs to require vaccinations for these Americans. President Biden will reportedly make an announcement on Thursday requiring all federal employees and contractors to get vaccinated against COVID-19 or present regular testing results, according to some news sources. Once again, I ask you, what do those things have to do with each other? Why are you exempt from testing if you get the vaccine when you can still have COVID and be asymptomatic and be transmitting it? It makes no sense. I'm sorry. It makes none the announcement comes as Biden is expected to reveal a series of new measures to encourage vaccinations as the Delta variant spreads across the across the country. I understand the the concerns over that. Sure. The Department of Veterans Affairs became the first federal agency on Monday to require vaccination for its 115,000 healthcare workers. The American Medical Association and 56 other leading medical organizations are now calling for mandatory vaccinations for workers at all healthcare settings, including nursing homes nationwide. California will soon require vaccination or negative weekly COVID tests for state and healthcare workers. New York City will also mandate vaccines or tests for municipal workers, including teachers and healthcare workers, and urging private employers to require shots. It's quite clear that Delta variant has changed the game, said Bill de Blasio. Got to shake people, so I read this, this you know. In the meantime, Florida's governor says ordinary people should not be forced or mocked into taking the vaccine. They have different reasons for why they don't take it. And I think that the more they're hectored by government officials or some of these folks, that is not going to get them to yes. And I can tell you that right now. And DeSantis is right. And DeSantis has encouraged people to get vaccinated. And Donald Trump has encouraged people to get vaccinated. It is the craziest thing to me that they're mocking. I I see Trump supporters mocking Sean Hannity because Hannity said, take it seriously, right? He trusts vaccine science. Donald Trump went and got the vaccine almost immediately. This was his project. I'm not a a fan of big pharma. I think there's a lot of problems with Trump's project, but Trump pulled this one off. He said he was going to do it. They want to rag on the guy for everything he's done. And I'm like, this is the one thing that he said he was going to do, and he did it. And that's the one that that they should be uh, celebrating. Yet when governors and Hannity come out, Trump supporters are like, no, Donald Trump encouraged it. I don't think you should go and get medicated. Because a celebrity or a politician or an internet personality told you to do it. I think what's scary to me about the mandates is that they are trying to force people, many of whom probably can't, or they're going to make second class citizens of people based on their medical histories. Now, there's been some talk about, I think it was in New York, that um, maybe this was Biden, that I think it was Biden, that people who are suffering from COVID side effects will be you know, given access to like disability payments and things like that. What if you have someone with an allergy and they can't get this? That's why I'm so concerned about people going to their doctors, because I have seen people take medications and have allergic reactions, and that's why you've got to disclose this stuff. It's rare. I know it's very rare, but I'm not going to sacrifice 10 people on on this idea that you don't need to make a quick five minute phone call. You can call your doctor. Hey, what's going on? And people have told me, too. not everybody can afford a doctor. Well, then you got a really serious problem. I'm not going to condemn poor people either. People need to have sound discussions about their medical histories because not everybody can just do anything. And this is the problem I have with celebrities mandating it. And I have, this is the biggest problem I have with the government mandating it. It will make people second-class citizens. Case in point, when there was that band in Florida, I guess, I think it was, they were playing in Florida, and they said it's $1,000 for a ticket. And it's a nine hundred and was it eighty two dollar discount if you can prove you were vaccinated. So it wasn't vaccine, you know, passports or whatever. I don't know. If was, I think the band was playing in Florida. Well, one fan of the band gave an interview saying her doctor told her she couldn't get the vaccine. She had just had COVID. She's like, so now I can't go to the event, but rich people can. Amazing. That's the problem with this. We cannot create medical second class citizens. Think about how disgusting it's going to be in 20 years. I genuinely believe vaccines will become mandatory same as an ID. Right now, we have vaccines when you're a kid. I'm actually very much uh, in, in favor of vaccinations. Polio gone. Smallpox gone. It's it's amazing. Now there are challenges. You know the utilitarian questions and the deontological questions about protecting the individuals, it is tough. It is not so cut and dry. You know, I think about what Spock said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It's a kind of a horrifying statement. It means the individual can be sacrificed to save the majority. But it's also another question of it's not so simple. If you if you've got 60 people on one side who absolutely could lose their lives and 40 people on the other, do you do you take action to maximize uh, life? I don't have all the answers, man. These are questions we're bumping into as we start programming automatic or self-driving cars because the car will have to make a decision. If you're driving and a little old lady walks in front of the car, the car can choose to swerve out of the way, risking the driver's life or just go through the woman taking her life. We don't have the answers. Humans make snap decisions. And we often say we don't know what the answer would have been. But that car has to make that hard decision. What do I mean by this? There are risks for vaccines. And that's why I'm, I think it's so important. I think we can reduce hesitancy. I think we can we can reduce adverse events. If people just go to their doctors and treat this normally instead of like just listening to celebrities and, and, and a lot of the a lot of the uh, medical vaccine centers will ask you for your history. Just make sure you talk to your doctor. It, I, I think we can reduce all of this stuff if we do it right and we're honest with people. But too many on the left are utilitarian collectivists. They're willing to sacrifice the individual for the sake of the collective. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not. I, I recognize the risks and the problems. I recognize the threats to the environment. There's too many people. Things like that. I get it. But what do you do? Do you create a hell on Earth, uh, uh, where where people are living on, under under a boot? Second class citizens. Here's what I think the future will hold. I think uh, you know when you're born, you get your vaccines. I got all mine. I got a bunch a few years ago. And. When, when you're born, you get your shots, but they don't give you a card or anything. They just say, okay, make sure you, you stay up to date with your boosters. But you do get a social security card. You do, get, you do get a birth certificate and you use those to get an ID. I believe in the future, you'll go to the DMV and they'll say, okay, I need your, uh, your social security card, your birth certificate, your vaccine card, and a piece of mail with your address on it. And you'll go, yep, here you go. And then they'll say, okay, everything's good and up to date. And then you get your ID. I can't, I can't in, in good conscience, support a system where there are going to be good, honest individuals who can't go to the movies, who can't go to the stores, who can't go buy food because of a medical condition. Sorry. I, I, I like the idea that we build buildings with wheelchair ramps. I like the idea that we have you know, uh, wheelchair elevators. I like the idea that we accommodate people who are disabled or differently abled, whatever the politically correct term is. What I mean is, I like that we try hard to do right by people and help them out. I don't see how we can create a circumstance like this at the federal level, at the national level, but I do think it's going to happen. And it seems a bit eugenicist. I mean, think about it. How will people who, for medical reasons, are barred from public accommodations strive Maybe they'll do better, to be honest. Maybe they'll be forced to go forage to the woods and survive on their own. But what does this do? Over time, the people who, for medical reasons, can't get vaccines or certain medications will be excluded. Certainly, that would lead to 14th Amendment lawsuits. We are, we are very, very lucky that we have this, uh, uh, this Bill of Rights. Not, not, well, not just the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. I mean, the 14th Amendment's not even in the Bill of Rights. It's the equality under the law, right? Check it out. Here we go, baby. For Matt Haney says SF Bar Owner Alliance, representing hundreds of establishments will require proof of vaccination or 72 hour negative test for any patrons indoors. The policy makes no sense. None whatsoever. Like I said, for the millionth time, I really want to make sure I drive this one home. Why do you need a negative test if you don't have the vaccine? If people who are vaccinated can still be test positive for COVID and that's why they have to wear masks. I don't, I don't know. You know what I can do? I have the story from the Financial Times. Well, I had a story from the Financial Times. I guess I don't have the story from the Financial Times because they blocked me even though I am a subscriber. But, oh, well, it is what it is. The Financial Times basically said, I'll just give you the gist of it, that there's concern about uh, variants, I suppose. We've got the Epsilon variant. We had the Delta variant then the Epsilon variant. variant, And now there's another variant that's emerging. And this to me is particularly interesting especially when you think about lab leak. And I wonder about something. You know, lab leak hypothesis, the idea that the virus was being studied, that it was potentially a gain of research study, that it was done in the Wuhan lab and it leaked, is probably the most prominent theory as to the origins of COVID. If that's true, that's a really good reason to get the vaccine. It also makes me wonder about the variants and what Israel reported about vaccine efficacy. And what they're saying about masks. Here's what people need to consider. You know, look, if, if, the, if you want, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, you want to get vaccine rates to 100%, have another hearing with Rand Paul and Fauci, get to the bottom of what happened with the Wuhan lab. Because I'll tell you this, if news were to break that COVID did leak from the lab and this is confirmed and Rand Paul wins and comes out and Fauci is perp walked away for lying to Congress, and then we learned that there was a very serious risk due, due to gain of function research, a lot of people are going to run out for that vaccine. But as it stands right now, the establishment has lied so much, about so much, they've lost the trust of the people. Nobody, nobody's going to believe it anymore. Let me show you some data points that were, that were posted to Twitter. First, we have this. Phil Kirpin, he is uh, America, what is this, uh, uh, AmeriCom, That's not going to come up. But anyway, he tweets, White House says D.C. is vaxxed mask on hot zone with a total COVID hospital census of 21 people. So here's the data he's posted. They say 21 people are hospitalized. They call this a hotspot. This I find kind of strange. COVID hospitalizations have been going down. So it's a hotspot. You got to wear a mask. Far be it from me to question the CDC. Look at this. They're even saying now they want uh, K through 12 schools wearing masks. You can see that on Twitter. Then we have Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald even citing Oliver Darcy of CNN. Darcy says this is the hospitalization rate in Manhattan, an area CDC is urging universal masking in. CDC officials should really face questions from news orgs as to why they are treating areas like Manhattan the same way they're treating hotspots in the South with hospitalization spikes. And we can see seven day average for hospitalization is gone down, not going up and not particularly high. CNN is saying this. So I agree with Oliver Darcy. Glenn Greenwald says, It's just clear, using basic faculties of rationality, that much of what the CDC is now doing and saying make no sense. Simultaneously insisting that vaccines work, but that vaccinated still must wear masks was always confusing, as is this. It is a heck of a day when I can cite Oliver Darcy as the voice of reason. Now, as they say, a broken clock is right twice a day. But hey, Oliver gets his credit when credit is due. He's pointing out that New York hospitalizations are way down. Yet still the CDC is saying it's a hotspot. None of this makes sense. I'm not going to play this game. If YouTube bans me, so be it. This is stupid and makes no sense. The policies make no sense. You've lost the trust of the people. What you are recommending is contradictory. And and there's and, and, and a non sequitur, non-correlated, are, are not correlated. I don't want to tell you. Like I said the other day, with a lot of similar points. There will come a time where I'm just like, none of this matters. Literally don't care. I'm just going to, if I see a news, I'm delete news story about this. I don't care. The news has been so contradictory and nonsensical. I can't even tell you what for. Do, do protests spread COVID? Yes and no at the same time, because all of these news outlets said the same thing. Black Lives Matter wasn't spreading it, but right-wing protests were spreading it. I certainly don't think politics played a role in whether the virus chose to piggyback on somebody. So the news is telling us BS over and over and over again. What am I supposed to say to that? No idea. For all I know, Oliver Darcy's wrong here. You know what? I'll default to that. CNN so wrong. Perhaps the CDC is right. It is a hotspot. And Oliver Darcy just doesn't know what he's talking about, right? I guess. Thanks, YouTube, for confirming that CNN is incorrect. Whatever, man. The voluntary phase is over, my friends. We'll see what that means. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.